0: Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me?
1: your co-host, Mackenzie Koss. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Brand Collective podcast. Today, we have Shaina Zephyr, co-founder and CMO of Juve Consulting and Gen Z speaker and community builder. Welcome on, Shaina. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited.
0: To get started, do you mind telling us a little bit about your background and what led to the creation of Juve?
2: Yeah, happy to. So my name is Shaina Zuffer. I use she, her pronouns. And I think the start of all of this was honestly when I was like 14 or 15 and now I'm 23. So I've got a, I've got a few years on myself, but... I found myself to be in a lot of rooms where we were talking about young people, and instead of talking to us directly, people were making assumptions about who we were and not letting us advocate for ourselves. So when I was 14, I was speaking at the World Bank, at the UN, talking about gender equity issues and the Sustainable Development Goals, Millennial Development Goals at the time. And since then, got to meet my co-founder, um, actually competing at Model UN, and the both of us had had a background in social justice work and could relate to the fact that we were in so many rooms and experiencing these things. So it was a very natural genesis of sorts to then think about how do we focus on amplifying young voices and creating a space where we can talk about young people directly and give them uh, a little bit more privilege and honestly articulate our opinions and thoughts. So that's been the core of what we do even even now, seven years later, but um, started a little bit earlier than I thought and honestly by accident. So here we are now.
0: Yeah, it's just remarkable. And so just For clarity, do you mind speaking to Juve's founding principle or or core mission?
2: At Juve Consulting, we exist to empower young people. And I think how that manifests for us is that it's a complicated question and I don't think we have a perfect formula to it, but we operate under this understanding that we do not want to do anything that actively feels like we are disempowering our communities. So when things get difficult or complicated, we do our due diligence, but we also say note to maybe bigger contracts or specific clients. If we deem that work to be antithetical to our values, it's definitely not easy. And I think in the ways that we get to do our work, it's pretty incredible to hear a 14 year old or a 15 year old hop on a client call with a major Fortune 500 company in between classes or in between a break and get to tell them what their thoughts are on their upcoming strategy for the new year or social media campaign, uh, give real time insight and feedback and actually provide them with something that's actionable. So that's definitely not lost its charm. And I always tell clients, don't talk to me. Like I'm 23. I'm honestly on the older end of Gen Z now. Talk to the 14, 15, 16 year olds because the way that they think about social and culture is honestly vastly different. I can't even keep up with it at times. So it's a, a true privilege to be able to bring in young diverse voices into the fold of the work that we're doing.
0: Yeah, it's it's truly remarkable and so empowering. Can you talk about your workforce and the people that you work with? Yeah. All of them are in your generation, correct?
2: Yes, almost all of them. Um, So we've got around 30 folks um, that are full time with us, like myself and people on my senior leadership. But we also have an external network of sorts that's of 200 independent contractors that are actually high school students and college students. So those are the people that get to work on the projects, along with the people who lead our accounts. Those are all people that are 27 or younger. But I do have some millennials on my team. Um, We hired them about two years ago. So of um, our entire course that we've had, it actually you know massively changed the business to have people that do have real work experience. So there's a lot of things that Gen Z can learn from other generations. So I'm not going to sit here and claim that I have all the answers or that our generation does either. But our COO is you know a, a millennial dad. He's got two kids. So now we have like people who literally have are adults and have children that work at the company, and that wasn't always the case. Um, but we do have a few millennials on our team as well. I think the oldest person I two might be 38. So don't quote me on that. But I think that that's, they're nothing younger than 40. So that's, that's the composition of the team thus far, but majority Gen Z led for all of the team members and, and the way that we do our work.
0: Nice. Can I ask how you connect to the, to the high school students? Is it some sort of connection through school or through accomplishments or yeah, uh, a, their high school that's ambitions? a great
2: question. Yeah, I would say we do not care about your GPA, where you went to school or anything at Juve Consulting. Um, to be a consultant at Jube, a lot of it is organic. So we've just been around for a while. We have a receipt network of 10,000 young people where we actually do research with them as a quote qual network, but that's also a community network. So we share opportunities with them, academic, professional opportunities, so on and so forth. So that's actually a way that people like get to engage with us us. And if they want to, for example, apply to be a part of Juve, that's probably the place that they might find out first. So they already have a connection with us. People go to our Instagram and they see job openings. You can submit at any time, like a video of you speaking or talking about your favorite topic on our rolling application forms. So we actually do go through and try to find new talent. Um, So it's a lot more organic in that way, but it's uh, also a, a matter of the fact that I think when you do apply for, to be a consultant, like there's like Five rounds of interviews, but the questions are like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no? Like we want to know how you <laughs> think and how do you actually think about the world around you? So I could care less what school you went to or what your GPA was. It's just a matter of can you speak and can you defend things that you believe in, um, even if people disagree with what you're saying. Right. So it's a very, very fun process. And there's not a single person at the company that like I have not been able to interact with because all of our leadership teams get to be a part of that process as well. And we want to know the young talent that's joining our teams as well.
0: I do think a hot dog is a sandwich. Um, yeah, is it? Is it? <laughs> I feel
2: like. I mean, as long as <laughs> you can defend your position, and some some yeah. people are very, very, very aggressive about it not being a sandwich, and it has to be two loaves of bread in between okay, whatever okay. substances are between the two breads. So, right.
0: well, okay. often a hot dog bun falls into two pieces.
1: That's that's a very true. Point. So yeah, right then, it's a sandwich. Then it becomes a sandwich. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of
2: both, I guess. So yeah, there you go.
0: In your experience and uh, understanding. Uh, can you highlight some of the differences between Gen Z and Millennials, uh, maybe the broader, more understood differences, and then maybe even go into some of the more granular or nuanced differences that you can articulate?
2: For a lot of the ways that we think about Gen Z and Millennials, two things come straight away top of mind for me. The first is that Millennials were digital natives, right? So they had their laptops, their phones, and learned these new implements the older they got. But for Gen Z, we were social media natives. A lot of what millennials did with these new social tools was reconnect with people from college, from their past lives, and use it as a way to really extend their own personal networks or personal narratives. Versus for Gen Z, we use these tools to connect with other people, to really claim ourselves as the. Plurals, meaning that we are a we generation, whereas millennials were dubbed the I generation, right? That I get to advocate for myself. I want to sit at the table versus for Gen Z. We were able to actually connect with people in real time, partly due to social media and be able to advocate for not only ourselves, but the communities around us and even be able to say that. I might not be the person that understands lived experience, but I want to learn more about it, right? So I think claiming more of us as us is a part of what Gen Zers are able to do. But I think it's 100% true that we've learned from generations prior to us, whether it comes to social justice movements or the way that we're seeing progress and innovation come about in this country or even in the world. But I think the main difference is that Things like social media allow us to galvanize, unlike ever before, that brands fear getting canceled, that you can talk about your qualms with someone, for better or for worse, on a platform like socials, and it's led to these really unique differences in the way that our psyche exists, but I think also has allowed us to really be able to affect change and and have difficult conversations, unlike the ones that generations before us were able to have in silos. So I think those are some of the things that come top of mind when we are thinking about okay, how's, how are millennials actually that much so different than Gen Zers? Um, so a lot of that is has changed and evolved because of social media technology and the way that we've seen our parents go through a, the 2008 financial crisis or 9-11 or COVID. It's, it's it dramatically changed the way that we think about institutions and also how do we hold these institutions accountable.
0: I remember the first experience I had with social media was just like, oh, who from my past can I look up? <laughs> who, <Yeah>. can I, <laughs> yeah, who can I great, check yeah. out? And I was already post-college when sort of social media and Facebook became epically huge. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of the misconceptions or maybe misunderstandings that people have about Gen Z? I
2: think a lot of the qualms that people have around our generation is that we're apathetic, that we're lazy, that we've lost our sense of hope. And I think all of these, none of these things exist in vacuums. But one of the things that I think is true about Gen Z, though, is that because we have such a sensory overload and access to so much information, it does make us 100% more aware of the world around us, right? That's just a natural point of the the way that we're processing things um, in, in the world. But I think it's also a matter of things like eco-anxiety and that type of language didn't exist a decade ago, right? The vernacular, the language that we use to communicate and to talk about the ways that we're experiencing the world around us has also evolved with us. And it's difficult not to feel like there's a a massive burden that everyone feels so hopeful and excited that we're somehow going to systemically change the world around us when so many of the institutions that were meant to empower us have disempowered us. So I think the reality is that even with things like the Great Resignation, where we're seeing millions of Gen Zers switch out of their jobs or leave their jobs after two years. It's this reckoning of sorts that I call the Great Reawakening, that people are, for the first time, asking themselves, what does a livable wage look like? And at what cost am I willing to make a certain amount of money? Is it at the cost of my mental health? Is it at the cost of the the amount of time I could spend with my family and my friends? Um, because before it was like you would work in a really, you know, ultra hustle culture field and, and be a girl boss. And like definitionally, like I am a girl boss and I, and I claim that. And I know that about myself, but I think even the older that I've gotten, it it, it is a moment to pause and reflect and to, and to slow down. And I think for gen, a lot of Gen Zers now, it's a matter of understanding what are the ways in which I can actually be helpful to my community, to society, and also to myself. And finding that middle ground and that balance. I think we that's a lifelong struggle that a lot of us go, go through agnostic to age. But I think a lot of the sentiment that goes with Gen Zers nowadays is that we're just a lot less hopeful or a lot less active or a lot less um, and a lot more apathetic, where I think we're feeling a lot of fatigue, especially post-COVID and especially on socials. But I think it's also a moment for us to want to be in community with people, to be in person with people. You know, when people ask like, do Gen Zers want to be work from home or do they want to be in person. It's like, they want both, right? Like we want to be hybrid. We want options. We want flexibility. And I think that that's even true for brands. And if brands don't end up giving us options or showing up for the values that we really claim to care about and that they claim to care about, then yeah, Gen Zers are going to leave and start their own company right? Emerging brands and direct-to-consumer brands are doing so well. Um, And that means that this is a wake-up call for legacy brands. So I think a lot of it is not just making assumptions about what are the things, why why do they feel so entitled? It's like, we've done our homework. We do our research. We read the reviews. We're well aware of what we can and cannot do. So how do you show up for those things? Because you will lose out of excellent talent if you're not showing up for those things in the right ways.
0: Yeah. How do brands effectively communicate with Gen Z and maybe are there brands that come to mind as a, as doing a great job, and maybe some brands that are that are not uh, communicating authentically?
2: So uh, one brand that I think is doing really well right now is Starface. It's if you've seen any of the pimple patches that people wear that look like star stickers, I love them. OV, yeah. they're amazing. Um, they're having a Gen Z moment. They're Gen Z yellow. You know, our our generation's color is yellow, but um, they have beautiful, bright packaging, and it's all about this idea of how do we embrace every part of our quote-unquote imperfections when so many people have told, told us to shy away from them, right? And, like, um, usually you have pimple patches that are clear and blended with your skin, but Starface lets you say, hey, like, I'm going to put this really bright star on my face, acknowledge the fact that my skin's having a little... Moment of sorts. Um, so I think they're doing an absolute amazing job in terms of the product, in terms of how they position themselves, even their advertising, the colors. Everything is so 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 well done. And I think a brand that uh, perhaps isn't as pro- product oriented, but is one of my favorite case studies to talk about is Amtrak. I literally just got an Amtrak credit card uh, because the intro offer was really good, and I do <laughs> like to go on my Amtrak yes. as as, my, as a little bit or as much as I can, but. Amtrak is one of those companies where it's a lot more of a sustainable option for travel. When we talk about, does Gen Z actually care about sustainability? Because we also see behaviors that feed into fast fashion and other um, buying buying patterns. And again, a lot of these things are nuanced and complicated, but Amtrak can be affordable if you book it well in advance, you'll get like a seven or $9 ticket and you can be in a, a completely different state within a matter of hour, a few hours. Um, It's it's also a brand that like, for example, on Twitter, like has the means, has great copy, engages us, has loyalty programs, gives you the ability to get points on each ride, has specific options for students. Um, so I think they've done a great job in creating a product that speaks to the values of Gen Z, right? Whether Even though it's like a brand that you would not First top of mind be like Gen Zers love Amtrak and an anecdote that I'll share is that we were doing a presentation in Chicago and as much as I love Amtrak I was not about to go on an Amtrak from New York to Chicago and one of my team <laughs> members did that and said like I am doing that number one because like I do care about the environment and like my carbon footprint number two it's a really scenic route and like I want to see the scenery and number three like I like just love the brand like I like would generally want to do that rather than take a flight even though it'd be quicker and, and, and a lot more convenient so yeah I think some Gen Zers like are doing the harder tasks of sorts whereas I I was not one of those people but I like that story always sticks out in my mind because um Claire was like very adamant about wanting to take the Amtrak and I was like what are you getting back and they were like yeah like eight, like 11 hours from now. And I was like, that's absolutely insane. Um, so yeah, those are, those are two examples of brands that I think kind of just get it with Gen Z, uh, in terms of the product offering and also the way that they've positioned themselves on socials and in terms of engaging Gen Z.
1: What? Is the number one thing that you feel, in your opinion, kind of like the kiss of death for a brand to completely turn off Gen Z?
2: The number one thing you can do to give Gen Z the ick, as I would say, is try to adopt our language or our mannerisms in a way that feels completely (laughs) unauthentic. And I think (laughs) there's a very unique vocabulary and way of communicating when it comes to Gen Z, but it's very clear when someone wrote a tweet or a thread now that was not written by a general Zer, but just has like the word lit or like riz or something interpreted into it because they think that's going to resonate with us. And the best social media managers out there are younger than 26 or 27, right? They're the people that are on these platforms and native to them. So I think that there's a difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I think brands are doing appropriation rather than bringing in the right voices to help yes. with the copy or to at least give you some feedback on it, because Jen's ears will see right through that.
0: It just makes me think of that uh, the meme of like, hello, fellow children, <laughs> the old guy in the yeah, exactly. s- with a exactly. skateboard. Yeah, and exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, cringy for sure. I guess that's my word. I'm a millennial. So <laughs> that's the word I use. It, it is uh, cringy. And like, hey. It still works. It still works. So I know, I feel like some brands, when they think of marketing, for Gen Z influencer marketing is the first thing that comes to mind. But what do you feel are other ways that brands can reach your generation just as effectively or even more efficiently than using influencer marketing?
2: The future of brands that really resonate with Gen Z and in general, um, in my opinion, and I think what a lot of the push of what we're doing at Juve is to be community first. 10 years ago, we had a mindset to be audience first, that you could have these tools and ability to actually understand who was purchasing your product and what is the data behind it versus five years later, we were looking at digital first implements. So social, web, um, blogs, all these things that allowed you to connect more immediately with your consumer, but was still data driven in, in, in parts. And I think now it's a matter of like, how do we actually co-create with consumers rather than just understanding who our consumer is? And instead of even framing it in, in these you know marketing or, or finance terms of, of consumers saying that like, I really want to co-conspire and co-create. With a community and i think some brands have done this exceptionally well um and other brands especially emerging brands are, are really leaning into that ethos of instead of just doing a focus group or research with with our consumers how do we get to build collaborative with them right they're a part of the naming process of the product about what it looks like how do we actually think about the copy people who join our team actually knew about the product before it even launched so i think being able to actually cultivate a sense of community both in person and online rather than having this mentality of treating your consumers as guinea pigs, treat them as partners, is the way that brands can actually resonate with them. And creators and influencers can be a part of that community, as well as everyday people, um, or as well as people who are like niche thought experts in whatever you might be specializing in. So I think being community first is the way that brands should think about the longevity of how they resonate with both younger and honestly, I think even even consumers that are not Gen Z uh, are looking for that kind of fulfillment for brands.
1: I think that's such an awesome take. And I feel that with certain brands that are maybe newer or we're just sick of not having the community sense because I feel like the last few years that's been lacking for all of us is that sense of community, that sense of camaraderie, whether it's in brands or like where you're working and such. Having that is so important. And that's why you might talk about a product like, oh, this brand is doing this, this, and this. They're having this event in person or they're doing this within their workspace. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it speaks volumes, like you said, to any generation, because that's part of what I do as far as a consumer. I will pick a brand who's actually practicing what they speak as far as community building and such, because it's easy to say that you're doing that, but it's a whole other thing to actually start it and continue to build it, um, which I'm ironically in community marketing. So that is something that I take like definitely to heart. And that's why I'm with Brandfolder, Brandfolder by Smartsheet, actually I should say now, um, because of the community sense. When I first yes. interviewed and stuff, mm-hmm. I was like, like, this is where mm-hmm. I wanna be and insert myself. So I love, love that take. Um, yeah, you, you, you're basically Gen
2: Z, you know, based on that response, yeah. to you, you know, so. <laughs> cool, <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
1: I'll take it. Um, When it comes to successful marketing to Gen Z without tapping into things like activism or politics, do you feel like certain brands or just brands in general can afford to not take a stance these days on certain issues.
2: I always say that, you know, not every brand has to speak out about every issue. So I think what you're alluding to in terms of like, should I now somehow become a social justice warrior about everything that's happening in the right. news? That's like, that's not what Gen Z expects either. Like yeah. It will feel inauthentic. It will feel strange. I think reaching a turning point in terms of a lot of fatigue and The sense of overwhelmed, how how overwhelmed we feel with a lot of what's happening in politics. And that I think is like a very human feeling. That's not Mm -hmm. unique to Gen Z. It's, It's our parents are feeling it. People who are older than us, younger than, even younger than us, are getting to see a lot of those things in real time. So I think from what number one, from a workplace perspective, I think we do have to acknowledge that people probably are carrying the weight of what they're seeing in the world with them in the workplace versus I think before it was just suppress it, like that's separate to what you're doing in your nine to five. And I would say that Gen Z says the personal is political, right? That it's from a brand perspective, you don't have to be partisan, but a lot of these things are naturally political. And my identity is political. Like I am a Muslim American. I am Pakistani. I'm a woman. Like I'm very aware of those parts of my identity. And like, they, I do show up in the workplace as those things. So I think that's one thing internally from a workplace perspective. Secondly, to your point around being an external facing brand and how do we actually show up for these causes? Like, yeah, number one, like understand what your why is and what your mission is. And then how does that translate to the real world? If you don't have a justification for why you're speaking up about something or why a social cause is relevant to you, then that probably means that that's not the space for you. Right. I think the other thing is like what we saw during COVID and the resurgence of Black Lives Matter was that when people posted black squares, people were absolutely like uh, shocked at, at what was happening, that this was performative activism. I think, we, again, we, we see a lot of contradictions from social media activism to what's happening in person. And I think for brands, the onus is like put your money where your mouth is. Like Show that in your boardroom, show that in your EDIB work, show that in the people that you're hiring and giving actual positions of power. And then also in the way that where your capital is distributed, whether it's nonprofits or whether it's through actually community-based programs. But I think being intentional, number one, is the one thing that Gen Z expects. And we should not fear as brands, like the fear of getting canceled. Like there's no brand risk associated with you being intentional and saying why you did something, even if it lands poorly, right? Morally speaking, like I, I want us to be in a place where we do business for the sake of doing good. And not just always making a justification that if I do something right, it'll help my PNL. We're obviously, I don't think, at that place yet. But I think a lot of it is can you consciously, as a marketer, as an individual, back up the things that you're saying and have integrity with it? And if so, yeah, then your brand should be doing the same thing. So I think it's really clear when people are just doing things for the sake of doing them and Gen Zers are doing their homework, being intentional goes hand in hand with being authentic. And that's like an right. overused buzzword at this point. But we can 100% see through when we feel like a brand is just doing something for the sake of doing it rather than actually speaking to it in a meaningful way that aligns with their mission and their purpose.
1: Absolutely. AI is a big thing now. What is your take on it and then Gen Z's take on it?
2: This is a burning question. If we have like a whole separate (laughs) podcast about this, I feel like we could spend forever about it. I think when it comes to the question of AI and broadly these new technologies and new implements, the one thing that I'm reconciling as as a person is who gets to be the arbiters of this new technology, right? Like Even when you think about things like the metaverse or, or crypto and Web3, I think unlike a lot of those things that became fads for us, AI is here. We're seeing it in real time, being integrated into our lives, into the small mundane tasks that we do. And it probably will become a much larger conversation around healthcare, technology access and regulation, right? And when you think about, um, you know, the people that, the, the woman who helped make open AI and ChatGBT said that I believe in regulation for this platform, right? That, that should happen simultaneously right. as the platforms are coming out rather than after the fact that we need to have regulation and regulators involved in those conversations. And I think, I feel similarly that we don't necessarily know what the implications of these things will be, but they do have the potential to amplify and support the work that's happening at the same time, though, and somewhat so from a social justice lens. Right. Who are the people that get to make those decisions and also what are the narratives that basically get suppressed, but also get amplified when we use these implements? And I think a lot of my critique with things like the metaverse and, and like DAOs, for example, was that a lot of these principles are on decentralization, democratization, and greater access for people. When we think about right. the language that we use to talk about these things, though, they're incredibly inaccessible. There's no simple way of explaining a DAO unless you've done your homework and done your research, and most people don't even know what it stands for. So even though we're claiming that these things could help us create greater equity, odds are the people who know the most about these things already come from a place of privilege. So when I think about AI or when I think about the applications in the real world, I'm excited to like get more features and probably more easier accessibility in terms of my next PowerPoint presentation because I love making a good deck. Um, <laughs> I know, contrary to I think what yes. other people like doing, I love getting it deep into the weeds of it. Um, but I think at the same time, it's important to know who are the people that are creating these things, and for what communities are we empowering them with? One third of you know crypto investments in this country are, are made by Black and Brown people who probably don't know that their money is not FDIC insured, and there's not anything that will help actually help support them on the off chance that they lose their life savings potentially and I think that's goes the same for AI the same principle that we need to democratize the language and the access to these tools and the people that are making this should be from diverse communities that could then say I want to give back to my community because I'm a trusted authority that understands how these things work so that's how I personally feel about it and I think for Gen Zers like Yes, high schooler and college students are using ChatGBT to help with their homeworks. And I've seen it real time going back to my own college campus and they're doing outlines. They're using these tools to learn how to make their lives easier. But there is a tension point that we don't know what it's gonna look like to be adopting these technologies. And I think the onus is on government and regulators and these tech platforms to take accountability because there's not a normative sense in this country that data rights are human rights. So that's a completely separate I think touchpoint about about how we think about regulation, but I think we're we're excited by it, but we're also cautiously optimistic when it comes to how these things are actually integrated into our lives.
0: It reminds me of how you describe millennials as you know we adopted social media and community, whereas you were native. I wonder if the the ensuing generation is going to be AI mm. native in a way that's going to make both of yeah. our eyes go like, "Whoa, this generation yeah. <laughs> gets no, it." That's,
2: that's a that's a excellent excellent point and like my brother's seven so he's gen alpha and when I he like went on Facebook live when he was four he like writes emails he pays the bills online for my mom like the literacy that these kids have with technology is absolutely insane and I don't know if it's going to be holograms or the metaverse or AI but I think they're going to have a uniquely different relationship to it that's also formulated by growing up with COVID and being a much more isolated right. generation in their in their in their youth year. so I I'm with you on that one. I don't have a good answer for it. I'll let Gen Alpha, you know, spin up their own companies and talk about this, <laughs> but um, I have no clues yeah. to come with that for sure.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's really fascinating.
1: So there's a very special and big event coming up in August, ZCon. Can you tell us a bit about it and something you're most looking forward to?
2: I am so excited about z Again, another podcast episode that we could make happen. But ZCon is the first ever conference with only Gen Z speakers. Um, it's going to be sponsored by Snapchat, um, which we're very, very, very excited about. And it will be based in Los Angeles in this upcoming month of um, August. So I cannot believe it's less than a month away. But the idea behind that is that, you know, we talk a lot about people talking about Gen Zers and not directly to us, but we want to flip the traditional conference model and basically, instead of a party we'll have prom instead of breaks we'll have recess and we have three different tracks that basically get to touch on topics that we talk a lot about in the business world and what marketers are focused on so there's a track called the screenshot inspired by our weekly newsletter that we send out about gen z trends and what's coming up in terms of innovation and resonance with gen z around the creator economy and influencer in our justice binding track and then lastly our coming of Rage tracks, touches on social innovation, progress, um, social justice movements, things of that nature, the role of business in impact. But it's going to be absolutely jam packed. We have some incredible speakers like Ellie Zeiler, um, as well as Avantika, and, and some brilliant people on our steering committee that are Gen Z thought leaders, activists, influencers, creators. Um, and the first day is a day of programming and keynotes. Um, and then the second day is a day of action We're the nonprofits, so we actually are going to get our hands dirty and hopefully get to do some work to give back to. These communities. So I am beyond excited about it. And I and I hope that people come out to be a part of this conference for the first time um, that we're doing it ever. So yeah, it's going to be very, 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 very fun. So a lot of ZCon grinding is what is happening.
0: Is this a conference that you've put together yes, or are you helping put it together?
2: Yes. No, this is all Juve building up the conference. And then we have a lot of support from sponsors um, like Dove, Snap, starry beyond me so on and so forth um but it's all being hosted by juve and the programming is all being led by our team and our community
0: do you mind sharing a little preview like what are yeah, you have to be
2: there you will have to be there I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna send you the invite after this and you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna be there Game hopefully on. or just- what space is it at?
0: <laughs> what space in LA? Is it on the west side, like kind of near Snap? It's
2: going to be at Second Home LA. I don't know if you're familiar with that space. I, it, I believe it's quite central, if I'm not mistaken. I've only seen the iPhone videos of the space yet. Um, we were going to do it at Snap HQ, but we decided to do it um, at, at a bigger venue to accommodate more people and more interests. So we'll be doing it at Second Home LA, which is a very fun um like space, space of sports, multiple like levels, outdoor, indoor, it should be very
0: fun. So the next segment, we ask these questions to everyone who's been on the podcast, and they're more to get to know you, um, less about business and marketing. Uh, but the first question is what have you done recently for the very first time?
2: Wow. This is a great question. I recently climbed the O2, which was kind of fun. I was in London for three weeks and I was actually not that scary. If anyone is thinking of climbing the O2, they like put you on the little contraption and just walk up the, um, like the, the venue itself. But I went with my cousins and they were definitely being like, not following the rules. Like you're not really supposed to move around that much. You're not supposed to like scare. And she was like behind me. And then she kept being like, "Ah!" and she would like, Kept scaring me. So it definitely added to some of the adrenaline of it all. But I'm usually someone that's like, not that adventurous I like to stay inside I like to work from home I like to be on my little laptop with my bad posture Um, so it was very nice to you know get get out of the house and I yeah and one of my cousins was like oh I'm not gonna do it and then I was like absolutely not if you don't do it like I'm not doing it so it was like the first time I got to spend a lot of time with them honestly in a while and I was like in my head I thought my cousins were like 10 and 12 but like 21 and 22 they're like real adults (laughs) with fully formed thoughts so it was very nice to spend time with them (laughs) Um, and to climb the o2 with them so yeah that, that that was the first that i did and i was like maybe i'm not afraid of heights but then i was like i'm definitely lying to myself because if this was any like 10 10 feet higher i'd i'd definitely be peeing my pants so yeah is
0: it like the white tent dome thing exactly
2: it's the white you know it. it's the white tent and you just and they basically have this little, like trampoline looking thing on top of it and on top of it so you can go and climb it, take some photos, and then come down. Now it's a smaller O2 Arena venue, and then more shopping malls and restaurants inside.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's kind of in, is it the Canary area, Canary Wharf?
2: It's like near there, near, kind of near there. It's like <laughs> okay. 15, 20 minutes. So you're you know London. You know what you're talking about. I, I know yeah. a little
0: bit. I studied yeah. abroad in London, but that was 20-some oh, years ago Did it
2: change your life? <laughs> did, 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 did going abroad change your life? That's what everyone says. It's like the meme about
0: it. It was remarkable, but I think I studied abroad. I got there on September 6th, 2001. So my experience was very, very uh, colored by what happened a few days later. Um, Yeah. And that's like probably the most significant memory was like being away with a bunch of American students and then having a lot of collective fear and anxiety, mainly because it was the first time we had ever been out of the country for most of us on the trip.
2: Wow. That's so surreal.
0: Second question. Uh... If you were invited to a show and tell right now, what object do you think you would bring and why?
2: Um, So I usually am wearing it, but I'm not actually wearing it at the moment because I lost one of the jewels in it. But my grandmother went on pilgrimage to Mecca, which is something that it's a pillar of Islam. If you're Muslim, Um, if you have the means to financially do it, you're supposed to go to Mecca and do pilgrimage there uh, for Hajj. And when she went, she got me a necklace that has a uh, uh, an engraving of the Kaaba, which is the actual structure that you do pilgrimage around. Um, and it's something that I've had since college, since the start of it. And I'm, I'm definitely someone that's rooted very deeply in my values. So anytime I try to think about things that I want people to know about me or share uh, in, in a new group of people or so on and so forth, it's um, always centered around like my faith and how like I'm very much so tie myself back to those moral questions of how you should live your life and, and how to be a kind, gentle person to other people. So if I could show and tell, usually it's on this chain, um, but it's a it's a small little um, oval pendant of the Kaaba, which is probably what I would bring to a show and
0: tell. Oh, oh beautiful. beautiful. I love that. And finally, uh, our last question is, if you were to meet a younger version of yourself, what piece of advice do you think you would give and why?
2: Gosh, I think my advice would be to slow down, uh, both in terms of how fast I speak. Um, and I've not learned how to do that. 23 years in, I still talk a lot. And I talk very quickly. Uh, it's charming in moments, but it's also like, you need to calm down, girl. But I think I also have been someone that's, I was listening to a podcast about aging. And they said that when you look at the sentiments of older people and younger people, the older people actually fixated more on positive sentiment, like po- things that were related to positive stimuli. And when, when they did the reflection, they focused on those things. Whereas young people focus on both negative and positive things equally. And um, and, and in that same vein, they you know, talked about the fact that when people are older, right, they focus a lot more on the present. And when you're younger, you don't even focus on the present or, or in some ways you focus on the past, but you're always thinking about the future. And I think I'm someone that, has really leaned into this idea of the rat race of life that like, okay, I need to get to a good college. Once I to get into a college, I need to start a company. Once I start a company, like I need to figure out what I'm gonna do next. I need to empower the most amount of people and make sure it's diverse, make sure that it shows up for the values that I believe in. And I've been very fortunate, lucky that I've gotten to do a lot of those things. Um But it feels like you pause and you're like, okay, then what's next, right? Like if I've done a lot of things that I claim to care about, what do I actually want to achieve next? And oftentimes those things aren't tethered to achievement, they're tethered to relationships and the people that you spend your time with. Uh, And yeah, I think the older that I've gotten, I've realized how important people, family and, and, and community really is. And showing up for the things that you think that you care about. So my advice would probably be to slow down a little bit, because I definitely think when I was 14, I was like, I have a five year plan. And then I got to 23 <laughs> and I was like, I have no clue what my five year plan is. I'm just trying to stay afloat and not get sick all the time. So I would probably say to slow down, uh and be a little bit more intentional with how I spend my time, which, you know, in retrospect is easy to say. But I don't I don't have regrets and I definitely think I probably maybe would have made the same decisions. But it would be nice to maybe slow it down a little bit and and pause and, you know, like as cliche as it it is, smell the flowers along the way too.
0: Yeah, I found, I have one reflection on aging into my forties. I was just in Costa Rica with my family. I took my young daughter and we were touring through this cool national park, saw all these amazing animals. And I was more into looking at like all the jungle plants. I was like, look at this plant, look at this plant. And like yeah, I feel like that yeah. segue from like exciting animals to like being stimulated by a lovely looking plant, uh, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm old now. I'm old.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Shaina, this has been incredible. I wish you the best yes, at ZCon. Thank you. Uh, How can what people you reach you? out if they wanna if they wanna hear more or learn more about what you do at Juve?
2: Oh my God, of course. Well, you can find me on all social platforms. My first and last name. I have a lot of pride in having the same username on all of my platforms, including Threads now because you can connect yes. Instagram to Threads. Um, but those are all at China's offer. But if you want to learn more about Juve and the work that we're doing, you can follow us at juveconsulting.com. So it's juveconsulting.com. And then Zcon, socials are at zcon.xyz. And the website's also zcon.xyz because- All the generations are Gen X, Y, Z. So we want it to be quirky like that. Um, (laughs) So yeah, that's where you can connect with us. And, you know, Gen Zers love to talk. I love to talk. So hit us up um, because I'm sure there's a plethora of things that we can ramble on and on about. So
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast where we like to say strong brands live here. Join us as we build The Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love.
1: We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe.
0: And if you feel inspired, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Until next time, this has been The Brand Collective.